I look back over my life and, uh, and I think from the earliest days in which I asked Jesus Christ to be my Lord and my Savior, that the trilogy has been something that has been way over my head. I just have always had trouble until these last years But as I was coming through and as I was growing in the Word, I had trouble figuring out how can it be a Father, Son, and a Holy Spirit all at the same time. You know, we have that analytical side of us that says we can't have uh, a Father that's in Lubbock, one in Quanah, and one in Dallas all at the same time. How does this happen? We focus on what we know and what we see. I'm not, I know this is no surprise to any of y'all, especially Dean, uh, I am not an analytical. I don't have a lot of problems digging into something because that's just not on my radar. I don't dig down underneath and pull out all these books and do all these researches that the analyticals do. And it is proven that so many of the analyticals have trouble with the Word of God because they can't prove it in a test tube. I've met people like that, and so have you, where they, they say, how can this be? How can you lay him in a tomb, and then he arises three days later? How do you do that? And they won't prove. They have yet to figure out the key ingredients is faith. Faith is, in, is so important that we have faith in what the Lord has said because it's true. But I want to address that biblically this morning. In the book of John, the 15th chapter, and the 13th verse, the verse reads, Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friend. Jesus Christ did exactly that for you and me. We talk about those that are first responders doing that. We, do, we talk about those that are serving in our military doing that. But that's exactly what Jesus Christ did with that one life and that terrible crucifixion. That one event has been for you and me. He laid down His life because He loves you and me. And it's very important that we understand It begins with love. Every bit of it. Adam and Eve and all the way through. Any of the Ten Commandments, it's all based on love. And the crucifixion and resurrection is based on love. In John, still, the 10th chapter and the 17th verse. The scripture reads, The reason my Father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. Jesus Christ was not forced by anybody, not even His heavenly Father, to lay down His life. This says it. He spoke it. He spoke it. It's true that He, on His own free will, laid down His life for you and me. Because of love. Knowing that we were so vulnerable by the flesh, in the law, 
that there would not be salvation. There is not a single one other than Jesus Christ that's ever been perfect, and there never will. So on his own free will, he gave his life up for you and me. And he's already told us that no greater love has anyone have to give their life. So it all blends in there together. Uh, he gave it out of love for you and me. In the Matthew, the 26th chapter, and the 39th verse, My Father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. Jesus Christ gave His life voluntarily for us. And yet He was human, just like you and me. If we knew we were fixing to go through that, we'd ask for that cup to be removed too, wouldn't we? I would in a heartbeat. I wouldn't even think about it if it was my life or my kids. I wouldn't even give a second thought to it. Sign me up. But if I knew I was facing something that horrendous, I'd be asking God, is there another way we can do this? Do I have to go through this? You see, he was very human. For to think that he was strictly uh, God the whole time he was here would be a mistake. He, feels, he felt the same things you and I would feel. Whether it was blisters, whether it was a headache, whatever. He was totally human. And it wasn't have the value to it if he were not. Because if he was God the whole time he was here, we'd say, sure, that's what he said and dear, because he was God. So he didn't feel those nails. He didn't feel those lashes because he was God. But he did feel all of that. And he had all the other emotions, such as weeping when he saw somebody that he loved had died. He was totally human. And yet he voluntarily, according to his word, he gave his life for you and me. For us, with the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. Gerald tried to get all of my markers out, so I had to rearrange them. Uh, in the book of Matthew, the uh, 20th verse, it says, Joseph, the son of David, and this is uh, Gabriel talking to Joseph when he was notified that there would be, uh, that Jesus Christ would be born. But listen to the words. Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. It's from the Holy Spirit. In the Old Testament, the term Holy Spirit is used several times in reference to God. We use it so frequently in regards to Jesus Christ. But the term Holy Spirit was not new with Jesus. It is, if you just go ahead and Google it or go over there to Bible Gateway and you put it in there, you'll find so many references in the Old Testament. So we as Christians think of that Holy Spirit with Jesus Christ, but that Holy Spirit was available before because of Jesus Christ our Father, God, our Father, and the Holy Spirit, all being one. All being one. So Joseph is told not to be concerned under these situations. 
in the, again, the book of Matthew, the third chapter, and beginning with the 11th verse, John the Baptist says, I baptize you with water for repentance, but after me comes one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I, I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit of fire. He's proclaiming Jesus coming forth and that Holy Spirit would be baptizing the, the individuals and believers. In the, in the Acts and the letters of Paul, we see where the Holy Spirit was there to baptize individuals. Jesus Christ, He encompassed that. But that Holy Spirit was there then it wasn't just something that appeared when Jesus was baptized. It was there even before Jesus. And that Holy Spirit, because God's always been there. So obviously, so is the Holy Spirit. And so John is even saying that. We have it in the Old Testament with Joseph. We have John the Baptist in preparation for this event. And we have in the book of John the uh, 14th chapter, the 18th and 19th verses, we have, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be with you. I will not leave you as orphans. He, he, Jesus is speaking, and he is speaking about the Holy Spirit. And he's telling his disciples, you know this, this spirit that I'm living with you. They knew it. You know it, don't you? You know that Holy Spirit, that Holy Spirit that I feel so many Sundays, if not every Sunday, that that Holy Spirit is with us. God's presence is with us. And you have felt it many, many times. And that's what Jesus is saying. It says, but you know him. And then he says, because I live, you also, you also will live. He lives after the crucifixion, after being put in the tomb, He lives. He lives. Christ Jesus lives. The disciples for 40 days saw Him and worshiped with Him as a, a Holy Spirit, as an individual, because it says He even had dinner with the, uh, the meals with the disciples. So He was very present with them for 40 days. And after that, 10 days later, that Holy Spirit, orphans. Larry Holder told us on the National Day of Prayer that his parents took him out on a road and let him out of the car and drove off and left him. That's an orphan. That's an orphan. Jesus Christ is not leaving us because we have that Holy Spirit. He is not going to leave us as if we were orphans. Why? Bottom line on all of this is because He loves us. There has to be a way for those that He loves to have salvation. There has to be. For He's not going to just leave us out there lost in the wilderness. He's going to be there. Unfortunately, so many times in our life, we have the situations that we don't surrender ourselves to Him until... 
we're drowning. When we're drowning, Lord, would you help? But where were we up here when these decisions were made that were ungodly decisions? Where, were, where was he? Where were we? Where was that relationship? So we blow it all up because we did not seek guidance. But once we're drowning, throw me a life jacket. So he calls out to God and to Jesus. But those of us that know him, we have that Holy Spirit at all times. It is not anything that's going to be mystical. It is going to be present. It is going to be present. And I hope you know that. I hope you have that kind of relationship that you can feel His presence. Challenging times, yes. Joyous times, yes. A grandchild is born. What a great time to celebrate. No, Jesus Christ is there. But we also know it when we come to a people that Jesus Christ is there. In, in Matthew, again, the 28th chapter. Jesus says, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The trilogy that is all one. The trilogy. It's all one. Jesus Christ is addressing that and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded, and surely I am with you always to the very end of times. Sure. That's a pretty good uh, emphasis point. Surely. And it almost be like, surely you know that I am your, your Lord, your God, and your Savior. In the 14th chapter again of John, and I refer back to that chapter 15 and 16 frequently, maybe more than any others. 14th chapter of John, verses 6 and 7, Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Verse 9, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. If you know Jesus Christ, and I believe each one of us here today know Jesus Christ. If we know Jesus Christ, we know the Father. And He told that to Philip and the disciples. If you know me, you know the Father. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father, for we are one. And that Holy Spirit, we're all one. And in the 16th chapter of John, as I speak, the 7th verse, But very truly I tell you, it is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the Advocate, in other words, the Holy Spirit, will not come to you. But if I go, I will send Him to you. That Holy Spirit was there with each one of them. And as that first century of Christians fought all kinds of persecution, 
that Holy Spirit was there. <coughs> now, 21, uh, 21 centuries later, and this is the 21st, or is this 22nd? 21st. Nobody's answering. I'm going, to go with 20, I'm going with 21 then. 21st. He's still with us. He's still with us. He has promised He's going to be with us. He has promised we will be free. He has promised that He's going to leave that Holy Spirit with us. And if we know the Holy Spirit, we know Jesus and we know God. And you know the Holy Spirit. So you know Jesus. You know the Holy Spirit. You have got all three of them. All three of them are with us today. Jesus' Word is always true. It always has been. Always will be as long as you and I live. And that's the reason I celebrate not only when just my son and my daughter tell me their faith in God and they say, I, I've got this. God's got me and we've got this thing, Dad. That just gives me chills that they have such faith. But it also gives me chills when I am with you and with young people. Now, Dean, I'm not saying you're not young. Uh, but when we're with the young people, too, they have it. If they know Jesus Christ, they know the Father. And sooner or later, they're going to know that Holy Spirit is with them. One thing that we have to have, we read the Word. But I read a lot of books and I don't know if some of the things they say in there are true, even if they're biographies. I don't know if they're true or not. Or if they're window dressing. But with the Bible, He has left us with that Holy Spirit and we must have faith. We must have faith. Without faith, this is just another... Uh, non-fiction book. It's no, it's no, it's nothing but a, fic, a fiction book. It is totally fiction. Without faith, it is fiction. But once we know Jesus Christ, we know every bit of it is true. It is a non-fiction because we know. And the more we study, the more we read, the more time we spend with other Christians studying the Bible, the stronger our faith becomes. And the more we realize every word in there is true. Every word. Because if one is a lie, you cannot trust anything that's in the Bible. So every bit of it is true. So when we approach the Word of God, we approach it with faith. And through that faith, we know that there is Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit, and there is God, and they're all one. They're all one. You and I are the recipient. We're the benefactors of this Holy Spirit and the love Jesus Christ, our Heavenly Father, has for all of His children. And we will be. We will be from now to the time that we go home and then after that point in time, there will be forever and ever in His kingdom. So that is a gift when we are baptized.
that is not just you're going to be saved for 10 or 20 years. You're going to be saved for eternity. You have been saved by Jesus Christ for eternity. 10,000 years is not nearly long enough. So rejoice. Re rejoice. You are a benefactor of the greatest gift of all. You know, I don't think anybody in here would turn down a uh, gift, 500000 because somebody put it in their will and said, okay, you're the beneficiary. But I promise you, what you have received from Jesus Christ is more important. So much more important.